0: Welcome to the Southern Ohio Synod's podcast. I am Pastor Rebecca Great, and I serve as the media ambassador and storyteller for the Southern Ohio Synod, which means I coordinate communication via our social media profiles, coordinate our weekly and monthly newsletters, and help with keeping our website up to date. I am so glad you have joined us for our episode today.
1: In May, I was walking by the cafe of our church building on a Sunday morning. The congregation was in shock. I just shared with them that a beloved staff member had died suddenly of a heart attack at age 60. I had worked with them for 15 years. As I walked by the café, I saw the women of one of our study groups surrounding the man's widow. They had their arms around her, were sharing their belief in resurrection from the dead, and they were praying for her. I was deeply moved by this visible sign of discipleship. Jesus calls us to a life of discipleship. Jesus calls us to a life of witnessing to his death and resurrection and to the new life we have as a child of God. Discipleship is at the core of the ministry of the Church. Bishop Suzanne Darcy Delahunt of the Southern Ohio Synod and the leaders of this Synod fully believe in the impact of discipleship and its transformative work in the Church when the story of Jesus is told. We are committed to telling the story of Jesus and to inviting others to tell that life-changing story as well. With this podcast, we are beginning a series of podcasts on the topic of discipleship. In this podcast, we will look at defining discipleship. To start, we will look at how discipleship has been defined and challenge those definitions. First, we are looking at the belief that discipleship is about being perfect to get into heaven. Second, we will look at the belief that doing justice is the means to align our will with that of God, thus receiving God's favor. But let's start with a passage of Scripture. In the 15th chapter of Matthew, starting with verse 16, we hear a story about Jesus and the good religious folk of his day after having been accused by them that he and his disciples don't wash their hands before they eat, Jesus responds, listen and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles. He goes on to say, whatever goes into the mouth enters the stomach and goes out into the sewer. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart and this is what defiles. He then provides quite the list of immoral activity: murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander. At first glance, this story from the gospel of Matthew pits purity against morality, and it appears that Jesus is stressing the purity priority of morality over purity. When we read a text from Scripture in this way, we then try to determine whether Jesus is calling us to purity or calling us to morality. We do this because our faith in Jesus leads us to want to hold fast to His commands. In this way of thinking, we define discipleship as holding fast to the commands of Jesus and living as He has called us to live. Now, before each of us picks which side, purity or morality, we are on and assumes that our side is the faithful side, it is worth noting that we all have leanings for purity and leanings for morality. There are moments in our lives that call for purity and times that call for morality. We all have leanings towards purity, especially in this post-COVID world. We want to be free of germs and dirt and other icky stuff. This purity also shows up in our daily living. I'm one of those people who rinses dishes before I place them into the dishwasher. Once on vacation with my in-laws, I had the job of loading the dishwasher. My sister-in-law had the job of unloading the dishwasher. Here's what happened. She would look into the dishwasher see dishes that looked clean because I had rinsed them off, and she would take them out and put them away in the cupboards. The problem was that the dishwasher had not yet been run. For three days, she was putting dirty dishes back into the cupboards. Cleanliness in life and purity in faith life is important. In our lives, purity is expressed as perfectionism. Purity is lived out in deciding the kind of people we don't want to see, hear, or worry about. And spiritually, the drive toward purity leads us to assume that we stand a chance to be saved if we can just get it all right. So we all have leanings towards purity. We also have leanings towards morality. Hopefully, anyway, we have leanings towards morality. I had a colleague in ministry whose filter between his brain and his mouth had diminished over the years. Once there was a meeting with local and state politicians regarding people living in poverty. The analogy was used by one of the politicians that people are drowning in the river of poverty. One politician responded, "Oh, isn't that the work of Christians to pull them out of the river if there's drowning? My colleague answered, yes, we can pull them out if they are drowning. But you, with your laws and policies, you need to stop pushing them into the river in the first place. So works of justice, works of morality, are necessary for the good order of creation. We are called to live morally and strive for justice in the world In this approach, we determine that our primary spiritual concern is here on this earth at this time. And those who are fully engaged in acts of justice are those who will have the favor of God. And in fact, we can fall into the trap that the salvation of the world is dependent upon us setting things right in the world. So we all have leanings toward morality. It is important to have a clear definition of discipleship. Commonly, we can fall into the trap of thinking that being a disciple of Jesus is about getting it all right so that God loves us, whether that is staying pure or doing works of justice. And if there is not a common definition, we confuse each other. My wife has this wonderful response when others share too much with her about their health medical treatments or other details of their lives in settings not meant for that level of sharing. She will say TMI. For her that means too much information. In May of 2008 we moved to South Central Pennsylvania and one evening she shared with me that a person with whom she was talking got frustrated when my wife responded to the person with her go-to phrase of TMI. Now, the person was not troubled with being called out for oversharing. The person was confused. And for a second, I couldn't understand what the issue was either. And then I remembered this, that in South Central Pennsylvania, there is a former nuclear power plant called Three Mile Island. In 1979, there was an accident there that released radioactive gas into the environment. In the local culture, Three Mile Island was commonly referred to as TMI. So my wife's use of TMI meaning too much information meant something very different to those who were around during the Three Mile Island accident. So in order for the church to faithfully follow Jesus is called a discipleship, it is important to have a common definition of discipleship that goes beyond purity and morality. If discipleship is not a life lived for purity or for morality, to have a right relationship with God, then how can we define discipleship? So let's continue with the story from Matthew 15, now starting with verse 21. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But Jesus did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. He was. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. Now, this is a troubling text for us to read. For it appears to go against the sentimental picture we have of Jesus – that is, until we identify a pattern in the Gospel of Matthew. The pattern is this – a person or group of people find themselves in a situation out of which they cannot save themselves. Jesus confronts them many times in the less-than-sentimental way of their situation and their helplessness and after confronting them, Jesus offers the gift of salvation and healing and new life. So think about the various stories of the disciples, especially in storms on the sea. They lack the capacity to stay strong and save themselves in the storm. They panic in their helplessness, and Jesus confronts them with the less-than-sentimental, you of little faith, and then he stills the storm and saves them. This pattern of incapacity to be who Jesus is calling people to be, being confronted by Jesus with less than sentimental names, then being saved by Jesus plays out in the story of the Canaanite woman. By nature of her religion, she is seen as unclean and incapable of meeting God's standards of purity, and thus not deserving her daughter to be healed. Jesus names that in a very harsh way by referring to dogs and then he assures her of her salvation through faith and he heals the daughter by casting out the demon. To better define discipleship, we look at the pattern of our incapacity to meet God's standards. The work of Jesus through his cross, death, and resurrection, and the gift of new life he gives to those who could not attain it themselves. This leads us to a more Lutheran understanding of discipleship. Professor Mark Mattis claims in his article, Discipleship in Lutheran Perspective, that the Lutheran perspective on discipleship does not accept either purity or morality as the end game of discipleship. For him, discipleship is not about either approach. Discipleship, he says, is a matter of death and new life. Professor Mattis states, God uses the law to reduce sinners to nothingness and the gospel to create new beings in Christ. In this light, discipleship is more properly viewed as something God does to believers rather than something that believers do for God or for the world. This law gospel approach to Christian life resists reducing discipleship to acquired techniques of purity or morality. Instead, it views discipleship in the terms of Christians faithfully living out their vocations, as baptized children of God. Through the preaching of God's law and gospel, believers are created and formed to live by trusting God's promise to be God and by loving the neighbor in service of creation's well-being. Disciples are those who are created by the proclamation of God's word who live by trusting God's promise to be God and love their neighbors in service to creation's well-being. This definition of discipleship leads us to believe that Jesus is the one who cleanses us and makes us pure, and Jesus is the one that gives us a Christ-like character through which we can then do what is moral. My wife and I adopted our son when he was three days old. From the moment we met him, we were in love with him. I had never realized how quickly I could fall in love with somebody. From the very beginning, we were open with him and others about his adoption. Each year, we celebrate his birthday and, and his adoption day. And he's excited because he gets presents on both days. As he got older, we regularly told him the story of his adoption from picking him up at the hospital to the court hearing that finalized the adoption. As he got older and entered school, there were days where he came home anxious or frustrated as most children do. When feeling the most vulnerable, he would come home, look at my wife or me and say this. Tell me the story of how you got me again. And that story of being God gave him great comfort and made him feel safe and loved. God got us through the cross, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We can trust God and what God is doing. God is God so we can be human. Life grounded in trusting God means that we can love our neighbors and all creation. Trusting God's promise to be God and loving one's neighbors in service of the creation's well being is at the heart of the mission statement of the Southern Ohio Synod. This is why we say, joining Jesus in the restoration of the world. The story of Jesus is the story to which we are called to witness. And witnessing to that story is at the heart. Of discipleship
0: thank you again for joining us for this podcast episode there is a discussion guide available for this particular podcast that is located on the synods website and in the description box for this podcast on our youtube channel we hope that this helps congregations and ministries be able to use this information with your councils and other ministry leaders to help us all grow in our discipleship. If you have questions about any of the content or just want to continue the conversation, you can connect with Pastor Tim Menser by sending him an email. His email address is tmenser@ at southernochiosynod.org. Make sure that you are subscribed so that you can receive our next podcast whenever it drops. And until the next time we gather on this podcast, remember that we are stronger and better together, joining Jesus in the restoration of the world.